Yeah, Black Wall Street Chronicles. I'm your host, Jeffrey Frazier. This is the first episode. How you guys doing? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, let me introduce myself again. I am Jeffrey Frazier. Uh, this is the Black Wall Street Chronicles. Uh, this show, the focus of this show is to basically talk about the issues within the African-American community, uh, the current events that's going on in the United States of America, and things that's completely screwed up about the human race that we can make fun of. Yeah, that's right. This is going to be a great show, great podcast. Just let me tell you a little bit about my past and why I made this podcast. Uh, I started stand-up comedy about four and a half years ago. Uh, it was the same time that I was working with the New York State Department of Civil Service. I got laid off and I went through a rut into my uh, stand-up. And I basically started finding out about my family's past. I found out that I am my great-grandfather's from Durham, North Carolina. Now, I always knew this. What I didn't know is that Black Wall Street was in Durham, North Carolina. Let me explain what Black Wall Street is. Uh, during the Civil War, over 700,000 Americans died. 300,000 in the North and 400,000 in the South. Uh, what the North did is they basically burned the South to the ground. The only place that the South did not burn was Savannah, Georgia, for whatever reason. So afterwards, our ancestors did not want to be anywhere near a white southerner because they know that they're very angry at the whole south being decimated after the civil war so what a group of people did is they created these small townships these small townships was nicknamed black wall street because these were african-american businesses and it was bustling small towns you see the history books does not tell about the fact that during the reconstruction era of our country and during the Jim Crow laws, we actually had successful small businesses. But the reason why these small businesses did not work is because the racist white Americans that was around these small businesses used to harass and bully members of our community. Uh, Durham, North Carolina, I believe in 1904. I, I have to get the year on that. But basically what happened in Durham, North Carolina, that there was a riot. And basically they went into the town and they burned the businesses to the ground. Now, I am a descendant of Black Wall Street and my great grandfather used to own a business down there also. And because of the pressure of the Jim Crow laws, um, my family actually had to move to New York City. Uh, and my family actually got decimated because when we was in the South, my great um my grandmother uh, Louise Bratcher she had to uh, bleach her skin and the reason why she had to bleach her skin wasn't because of beauty pur purposes she was already light skinned she was bleaching her skin to make herself look white as possible so she would not be harassed by the white supremacists that was actually in the, uh, in the uh, outside or the outskirts of town so it was actually real bad it, it had uh detrimental issues with my, my family i'm also doing more research about black wall street and i heard about um tusla oklahoma and within tusla oklahoma there also was a riot the biggest race riot in american history where over three thousand americans died african americans died and the reason why there was a riot 
on that scale because a white woman uh, accused a black man of rape. Now, instead of going through due process, instead of making sure the American justice system, if this man actually raped this white woman, which I believe he didn't do it, but if he actually raped this white woman, you know, you go through due process and we find out if um, this guy actually did it. But they didn't even wait for due process. They just went into town and they just burned all our businesses, you know, and that harassment and that. That harassment has uh, caused the African-American community during the civil rights movement to believe in integration. They believe if you integrate. But when we integrate into um, the system, well, basically, Martin Luther King basically said that I integrated my people into a burning house. So basically, we integrated into the system thinking that we're going to get equal rights and we're still being treated like crap. So if you're looking on the internet, many of um, people who are black first, many people who are uh, uh, who for the African American community, American descendants of slaves, is actually looking into creating their own businesses, and that's what basically what this podcast is going to be talking about about creating your own businesses, creating your own wealth. We're going to basically instruct the youth how to stay out of trouble. Uh, uh, members of we're gonna talk. We'll talk about members of pop culture who are bad. Who we, who I feel are bad for the community. And you know, if you have any questions, feel free to respond to me. The phone number is nine two nine Thank you very much. Now we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll basically talk about uh, we're going to basically talk about some things in pop culture. OK, thank you.
what's up? Thank you for coming back. This is Black Ball Street Chronicles, and I'm Jeffrey Frazier. And we're going to talk about a couple of things, and I feel in pop culture is important. We're going to talk about the Oscar success of Black Panther. And we're also going to talk about why certain members of our community, certain hoteps on the Internet, actually have a problem with the movie. And I feel that the problem and the issues with the movie is valid, even though I personally like the movie. Now, first off, let's talk about the, the people who have created the Black Panther. Uh, the Black Panther, Panther was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And the individual in world history that was inspired the Black Panther is a man by the name of Mansa Musa. Now, let me tell you exactly who Mansa Musa is. Mansa Musa was the emperor of the Mali Empire during the 14th century. He became emperor in 1307. He was the first African ruler to be widely known throughout Europe and the Middle East and is regarded as the richest person to have ever lived with over $400 billion worth of gold. His wealth greatly surpassing anyone today. Mansa Musa was the great nephew of Sandita Kitia who was the founder of the empire. He is famous for his Hajj. His caravan was to consist of six, 60,000 people carrying supplies and bags, 500 slaves, each carrying a gold slab, and 80 to 100 camels, each carrying 300 pounds of gold dust. On his journey, he is said to given out millions of dollars worth of gold. He gave out so much gold in Cairo that the value stayed relatively low for many years. Mansa Musa also helped to spread Islam. He is, was a devoted Muslim and built many schools based on the teachings of the Quran. There also is saying that every Friday when he stopped while he was on his Hajj, he ordered a mosque to be built because that is a Muslim holy day. He sent students to Islamic universities in Northern Africa. Was what the hell is this? Wikipedia needs to mess. They need to get their notes correct. After Hajj, after Hajj, European card cartographers began to draw Mansa Musa on the maps. As the empire of Mali fell apart, Mansa Musa's reputation did as well. He was no longer drawn as a noble king on maps, but instead more uncivilized. He was drawn as a parody of European royalty, a naked savage with a crown. Mansa Musa was married to. Inari Kunate. Mansa Musa at the time was worth 400 billion and is still richest man to date. Okay? Now, a lot of people don't know who Mansa Musa is. He is actually one of the, he is the richest king that has ever lived. Now, let's talk about how, um, why people are mad at the Black Panthers, not just because of the Mansa Musa reference. They are mad at the Black Panther because. It's really fiction. I mean, if you really think about it, like, it's not real. According to the mythos and Marvel Comics, uh, Wakanda is the most powerful country in the world. It not only is the most technologically advanced, it also has the cure to all of the diseases. 
even something was to happen to all of the vibranium, which in Marvel Comics is considered the most powerful metal in the world, they would still be the richest country because of the massive amount of natural resources that Wakanda has. So, I'm trying to understand why Eric Killamonger is considered to be the villain. Because if you are the most powerful country in the world, you could basically wield your power to end systematic white supremacy all over the world. There are people of color being bullied, being abused, and being enslaved, and you're just sitting in Wakanda not doing anything about it? And Eric Killamonga has a right to say, y'all need to do something about it. But the issue... Yeah, but he has a right to do something about it, but... You know, Disney and the movie actually tried to make Eric Killamonger look like a villain. The only thing that Eric Killamonger was doing was uh, forming a coup d'etat against a corrupted government. It happens all the time. I really don't understand. Like, But you have to give props to Black Panther with the marketing because you have to understand. If you're going to do these movies, you have to do these movies where white people have to feel comfortable. There's no difference between the Black Panther and Django Unchained. There's a lot of people that got offended by Django Unchained. But in actuality, if you really look at the movie, the movie has to be situated where white people feel uncomfortable. I remember I was in a movie theater with Django Unchained and I'm watching a movie. And white people was just laughing at our parts that I felt wasn't funny. You know, they was laughing at the guys with the Ku Klux Klan riding. It's just certain of things wasn't funny. And then I analyzed it further and I found out that basically all of the white southerners that was in that movie, they was made to, they believed that there was um, uh, people of class and a people of dignity and they felt like the slaves was barbarians. But in actuality, the slaves and Dr. King Schultz was actually the smartest people in the movie. All of those other slave masters and all of those other people was just getting plainly outsmarted by Django Unchained and Dr. King Schultz and the rest of the slaves. They're basically, all of the white men in the movie basically look like Huckleberry Finn rejects. So, I don't know. You know, you People are really getting tired of these movies in Hollywood, even certain white people. You know, that's just why nobody wants to come out and look at Hollywood movies anymore. Like, they had this movie, um, what was the movie called? It, it starred Marshala Ali. Let me look at my name. Yeah, the movie Green Book. Um, Marshala Ali had to apologize to the family that the movie, um, and I believe the movie Who was the person based on again? Yeah Basically it's uh, The Green Book is based on a true story It's about a famous musician And they had to Apologize Mashallah Ali actually had to apologize To the family Because there was so much inaccuracies Like Like they tried to make A Vigor Morrison's character Look like that he is a Um he looked like he's a uh, basically a clean cut, you know, white man. But in actuality, he's 
racist also it, it, it's just they just be doing the, i can't really explain it i saw the movie it was just you got to see it yourself is really offensive um you know we have to talk about the mo- marketing and pop culture with these comic book movies uh these comic book movies basically are you know the people that look at the comic book movies is basically heterosexual white males and you have to market it to heterosexual white males and if you're not able to market it and if you say anything to these white men on the internet they'll basically cancel you and they'll boycott your movie you see what's happening to captain marvel right you have this woman uh the first the person's name that the actress name that's doing Captain Marvel. I saw her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Let me get her name. Yeah, her name is Brie Larson. Okay? Now, I remember in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World where she was the lead singer in Clash of Demon Head. It was actually a very funny scene. You can go on YouTube and basically look at it. She actually can sing very well. Now... This woman, she's an Academy Award winner, very talented, but she is a staunch feminist. Like, she's really about that feminist shit. OD, right? So she's going around and basically saying, "Mm, you know, I don't want a 40-year-old white man to tell me what to do. I don't want to do interviews with white men. White men are evil. And I'm like, oh, boy. Nobody's gonna see your movie, darling. You you did the wrong move, man. These white comic book fans is crazy. You can't say that. Not at all. See, when they was marketing the Black Panther, they made sure that they was very gracious and they was very humble and it wasn't throwing it up in white man's face. And like, I don't know. It, it seems like we have to. Well, let's look a little other example, right? Uh, there's another movie uh, called Black Klansman. And at the end of Black Klansman, uh, it showed that David Duke actually won. That movie would have been much better if, even though it was fiction, it would have been much better if they would have did him and they just would have shot his ass up in the end of the movie. Like, we play a video game called Call of Duty Jim Crow and just shoot the motherfucker David Duke to goddamn death. That would be much more funnier. And the thing that we don't like is that at the Academy Awards, when Spike Lee finally won the Academy Award, he was jumping on a grown man like they disrespect you you all through your career. They say that you were reverse racist. They're saying all through these things. And then when you finally get your goldie shiny trinket, then you want to turn around and you want to. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on in Hollywood just a whole lot of crap what about terry cruz man terry cruz he was uh well terry cruz he was basically talking about the he was throwing black men under the bus talking about toxic misogyny you know he was coddling and soft shoeing for the damn feminists and then all of a sudden a couple of days ago he gets uh thrown under the gets thrown under the bus i mean what happened with that this shit is crazy but that's what happened you know these women are actually toxic feminists and they are they're the type of self-hating woman 
that will throw a good black man under the bus and then turn around and give $100,000 to bail R. Kelly out of jail. You know, these are a whole bunch of self-hating women that Terry Crews was coddling to. And now he's being thrown under the bus. He's being... He's being taken advantage of, and he's getting into arguments with uh, D.O. Hughley. He's getting into arguments with that independent film creator, Tariq Nasheed. He's just going on crazy, and he's, I don't know, man, he's, is Terry Crews in a sunken place? I mean, this dude defended Gina Rodriguez. Like, you had a white man grab you by the balls and these black women defended you and then you turn around and throw black women under the bus by defending Gina Rodriguez you defending an anti-black Hispanic woman I mean I don't know what's up with this guy what happened it's like these guys get over 50 years old and they start falling off Mike Tyson's docile mushmouth ass sounds crazy too what's going on with these men man I don't know what's going on in Hollywood. This shit is crazy. Hmm. What else can we talk about in the news? Let me go on my notes. There's things I wanted to go over. Let's see. So, being that we're to- this is Black Wall Street Chronicles, I want to talk about business and the ins and outs of what we should do, what we should not do. Okay. Now, there's a rapper by the name of Soldier Boy. Uh, Soldier Boy, all of out of nowhere, came out with this game system. And that's actually crazy because a lot of people don't know that the man that invented to, the first person to that invented the video game cartridge is a black man. And let me look up his name. Give me a second. Yeah, the man that actually invented the first video game cartridge is a black man by the name of Jerry Lawson. So the minute that Soldier Boy, the minute that Soldier Boy said that he invented this game system, you know Nintendo is going to be the first one that called them because being that Jerry Lawson, a black man who invented the first video game cartridge, they thought that they had a good idea. Turns out it fell through. And the reason why they fell through because they people are saying rumors has it is this man is stealing games. And this is what we're not going to do, man. We can't steal other people's stuff. Now, that's actually a good idea. There's a lot of gamers out here and there's a lot of gamers I watch. Let's give a shout out to Smug, uh, high tier Street Fighter Five cap uh, gentleman that plays uh, Balrog. Let's give a shout out to Sonic Fox. 
uh, Sonic Fox, who's actually a gamer, who's actually good in every character in Injustice 2. Uh, let's give a shout out to Low Tier God having rage quits on the internet and cursing people out. Yeah, let's give a shout out to all these black gamers, man. And if you're a black gamer, oh, there's a black gamer who's pro-black. His name is POV Hilarious. He's also he's also great too. I'd like to give him a shout out too. Let's give a shout out to all the black gamers, man. It's actually a good idea, you know. Maybe we all need to get together and create our own game system. You know, maybe we can make a lot of money. This is actually going to be awesome, man. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take another break. And I'm going to tell you the importance of my city uh, in Durham, North Carolina, where my family comes from. Thank you.
yes, Jeffrey Frazier again, the Black Wall Street Chronicles. Thank you. Uh, we're going through the home stretch. So basically what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about the history of Black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. Do two black men are responsible for creating them, uh, Black Wall Street, who they are. And basically just to teach you guys about Durham, North Carolina and how it how the emergence of Black Wall Street uh, happened. Okay, so here we go. Black Wall Street was the hub of African-American businesses and the financial service in Durham, North Carolina during the late 1800s and early 1900s. It was located on Paris Street. It was home to Mechanics and Farmers Bank and North Carolina Mutual. During the time period where disenfranchising blacks and openly violating their right was common, the black populations of Durham were making strides in businesses that challenged the legitimacy of white supremacy. Black-owned businesses in Durham can be traced back to the efforts of two African-American entrepreneurs, John Merrick and Charles Spaulding. These duo provided the leadership and initiatives necessary for the beginnings of Black Wall Street. Well, let me tell you guys who John Merrick and Charles Spaulding were. John Merrick lived from 1859 to 1919. He was an African-American entrepreneur whose life represents a rags to riches story. Born in slavery in Clinton, North Carolina, Merrick relied on his social savvy, entrepreneurial spirit and inner drive to agree, achieve great personal wealth by founding various companies in Rayliff, North Carolina and Durham, North Carolina areas. Most notably, the North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company. Portion of his wealth were channeled back to the black community where through philanthropy, John Merrick was a great man. His business acumen and social consciousness made him one of the most influential members of the African-American community in his lifetime. Now, let's find out who... Give me a second. Let's find out who Charles Spaulding was. Charles Clinton Spaulding lived from August 1st, 1879 to August 1st, 1959. Was an African-American business leader. For close to 30 years, he proceeded over North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company, which became America's largest black-owned business, with Afis at over $40 million at his death. Spaulding was born in Columbus County, North Carolina, to Benjamin Max Spaulding Sr. and Margaret Ann Virginia Moore. He started out as a dishwasher and later a general manager of a grocery company when John Merrick, the owner of several barber shops, and Aaron M. Moore, a practicing physician, thought of an idea of an insurance company in 1898 and named North Carolina Mutual and Provident Organ Association. Merrick and Moore employed Spaulding in 1899 and he soon became general manager. After Moore's death in 1929, Spaulding served as North Carolina Mutual President from 1929 to 1959. The company specialized in industrial insurance, which was basically borough insurance. The company. 
hired salesman whose main job was to collect small payments of about 10 cents to cover the insured person for the next week. If the person did die while insured, the company immediately paid benefits of about $100. This covered the cost of a suitable funeral, which was a high percentage item in the black community. Now, through able to increase African-American wealth, Black Wall Street did not distribute their newfound wealth equality within Durham's black community hiding. The region also promoted basic social restructuring for blacks, but did not contribute to desegregation efforts. The southern United States was left in turmoil in a few decades of reconstruction following the Civil War. During the late 1800s, most of the southern regions were rebuilding infrastructure damaged by war. Racial tensions were at all-time high due to the recent emancipation of all black slaves and the new economic and social competition they represented in many whites' eyes. But through these African Americans have been freed, their quality of life saw little improvement. Estimates from government officials say almost 85% of blacks were living below the poverty line during the late 1800s. Automatically placed at the bottom of the social ladder, blacks were denied virtually all rights afforded to whites. Okay. And that's basically the history of Black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. Next week, I will talk about uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'll talk about the tragedy where 3,000 African-Americans died during a race riot. Race riot. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you next week. All right. Thank you. Have a nice night.